0: Well, surprise, surprise, before we dive into this episode, I have a brief announcement. During this time of Corona crisis, I want to do my bit to support the nation. So I'm running free webinars entitled Master Your Lower Back Pain and Satica and Regain Your Life. These will run every Monday evening. I'm limiting the numbers because otherwise the Q&A could get out of hand. I'll include a link in the notes to this podcast. In these webinars, I'll be covering why does my pain keep coming back? Do exercises really help and which ones are best for my pain? Why don't drugs and manipulation work in the long run? Can my back actually be fixed? And how does stress make a difference along with a whole bunch of other questions you may have? And we'll also have a lengthy Q&A at the end. It'll be recorded, so if you can't join live, be sure to sign up nonetheless so that you get to hear the recording. Okay, now, let's return to this podcast episode.
1: This is the ActiveX Back Show from Edinburgh, Scotland's vibrant capital. Hosted by award-winning registered osteopath, author and all-round pain guru, Gavin Routledge. If you want relief or prevention of lower back pain or sciatica, and you want to be healthier, keep listening. The following programme should not be taken as medical advice, but for informational purposes only.
0: Sufferers, fellow humans, lend me your ears so that I may whisper into them in order to ease your lower back pain and sciatica. This episode is a different format to the usual, so if you're tuning in hoping for the usual me droning away on my own about back pain and sciatica, you're going to be disappointed. I have company. This is hopefully the first of many where I interview people who have a story to tell about their lower back pain and or sciatica. Melanie Gladstone is a past patient or client of mine, call it what you will, who has experienced considerable lower back pain and sciatica. She has a story to tell, particularly about the connection between stress and pain, which I think will resonate with many of you. She is a fabulous communicator, which shouldn't be a surprise as she's a freelance communications consultant here in Edinburgh, who until 2019 ran a communications and design agency. Here's what one of her past clients had to say about Mel. A natural born leader with grace under pressure, laser like eye for detail, uplifting personality, great man management and best of all, a genuinely nice person which I can certainly confirm. So, without further ado, let's meet Mel. Hi, Mel. Thank you so much for agreeing to share your story. How are you doing today?
2: I'm good, thanks, Gavin. Lovely to speak to you.
0: Yeah, likewise. So, I thought... What would be helpful for the listeners is to give a bit of context. I always ask, could you kind of give us a bit of background about who is Melanie Gladstone?
2: Oh, Jings. Um, who is Melanie Gladstone? <laughs> well, um, I, um, I've i just set up my own business uh, at the beginning of February. Um, I'm a, a freelance communications delivery consultant. Um, Prior to that, I've spent about 25 or 30 odd years, I can't remember how many, too many to remember, um, working um, in marketing and communications. Um, Over the past 10 years, I ran um, the Scottish Business of a, a communications and production um, company from who, that were based down south, and I ran their Scottish business and their design agency. Um, and I did that up until November last year. So, um, spent all my all my career in sort of creative and marketing.
0: Yeah, great, and. As I said in my intro, we know one another because, and I always stumble over this, um, I don't, never know whether people like being referred to as clients or patients. Which do you prefer, Mel? Oh,
2: um, well, I was one of your patients.
0: Um, right. I came okay. to you
2: as a patient and then I would yeah. probably say I'm now, I'm probably one of your clients now. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, good. Um so yeah, I am I can't well, before we get into that because that's really sort of diving in in the middle of the story um Obviously, we met through your lower back pain. I'm an osteopath. You came to consult me about your pain. But can you take us back to the beginning of that journey? So what was your first experience and when was that of lower back pain?
2: Yeah, many years ago. So I am 49. I hate to say that, but I am 49. Mm -hmm. I'm 50 this year. Um, And I, all my life, I've always been really active. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say sporty I'm certainly not an athlete but I've always been really active I've always enjoyed keeping fit and um ever since I was a teenager I've I've ran. I used to run run um pretty much you know 3 4 times a week um did quite a lot of half marathons a lot of 10 10k's and I loved running um, it, it was never very fast and it was never very good but it was something that I absolutely loved and uh, and did a lot of it I also in my 20s took up karate I did I did karate um, a lot. Uh, I used to train two or three times a week, and it was it was something again that I really really enjoyed. And also on top of that, I cycled, I swam, did a couple of um, triathlons, um, and so I so I was always really really fit and active. So in around about two thousand and four, um the early thirties, I had a sporting injury. I got injured um in karate. I did a horrendous kick and I hurt my back. Um and I, and it was it, it was just it was sore. But in karate you all, you always had injuries. You were always hurting yourself, you always just got through them. But my back um just started to it, it just never got better. Um it was it, it was a, felt like very much like I used to describe it to everybody as it felt like a hot poker sticking through my back Um, and it was just that really um, persistent ache that um, in the mornings it wouldn't be as bad and by night time it was it was to the point where sometimes I'd have to go home from work and I'd have to lie on the floor I just couldn't wait to get home to lie on the floor Um, but what I should really say is that, so so I would class myself as having two back pain. So that would I would say is my normal back pain. I've had back pain since 2004 um, and it was the result of a sporting injury. Um, and then I, in sort of around about um, October 2017, um, i got what i would class now as as new pain um and that was a very different type of pain my, my normal pain was a more of a sort of a muscular persistent muscular ache that never seemed to go away and then new pain in october started off as being um more like a nervy pain and it went down the opposite side of my back so my normal pain is on my right and then this new pain ended up being sort of just going down my left hand side, uh, lower back um, caused sciatica, went down into my leg um, and it was it, it it was I wouldn't say it was debilitating it used to affect um, you know for quite a long time it just it affected me, it was there all the time and it really really got me down
0: mm. There's a lot to dig into there now <laughs> um, so, so what I'd like to just explore a little bit with you is from 2004 up until the development of that new pain in 2017 how did your pain change over those months years and so on
2: yeah um well this is where you come in um so for a long time it um It just got worse. It just never, ever went away. It just got worse. And I I went to, I tried to get to the bottom of it. I went to doctors. um, I went to osteopaths, not you at that point in the early days, um, chiropractors, physiotherapists. And everybody... Just kept saying the same thing. It's a sport injury. I was I was very fit, um, and and the interesting thing was the pain never ever stopped me from training. It stopped me from training as hard as I'd like to, but because it was always better in the morning, and I used to do all my most of my training in the morning, it never really stopped me from stopping exercise. And actual fat exercise seemed to help it. Um. So. So all the specialists that I saw used to just say, it's a sporting injury, it'll go away. And it never, ever went away. And then um, about two years later, so probably around about 2006... I did and I, I sort of was quite persistent with the doctor and I, I asked to go and see um, a specialist and that was when they took x-rays. Um, and actual fact, what had happened, the specialist said to me, um, there's nothing wrong with your back, all the discs look fine, everything looks healthy, all your muscles and everything look fine, but did you know that you had broken a, a snap to transverse process and it looks like mm-hmm. it's about a two-year-old injury? And um, that was, a, well, I was quite grateful that they could actually find something mm. wrong at that point. Yeah, I yeah. But um, I, I kind of it was one of those ones going, I told you it was sore. I've been telling everybody it was sore. But it looks like the transverse process had... had um, had healed in a in a slightly skewed position which means that the muscles on that side of my back that are attached to it are slightly shorter than the right the left hand side and i think that's what gives me all the problems is that the muscle there's a little bit of muscle imbalance um, and and that's what gave me gave me the the problems in my back so the pain um, it, it doesn't really change to be honest Gavin it's just it's just muscular it's there um, it's an mm-hmm. ache um, and it niggles away and sometimes it gets worse and sometimes I have to lie down and occasionally and this is where I came to see you occasionally it would it would go into a complete spasm it would get to the point where it would go into a complete spasm um, and it was during one of those spasms that I, I, I came to see you your office is just around the corner from where my office used to be in Edinburgh and at that point I was I couldn't walk very far and I remember one day just walking into your office um in a lot of pain asking can you help me
0: yeah so that so do you do you still have that pain Mel?
2: I do yes I do but I I manage it I manage it very very well um I I didn't to start with the pain is still there um but I um I've I, and I suppose I put this down to you and, and what the, what you did for me. So I was always looking for somebody to fix it. I was always looking for a mm. cure. It was there. I was like um, everybody I went to see, and I and I tried everything. Um, I wanted a cure. You know, I was looking for someone to make it better. And I think when I came to see you, you did make it better. But you um, uh, you really made me change my mindset. Um, and and uh, I'll mention the cliff of pain here. And I don't know, do you, want to, do you want to explain about what the cliff of pain is, your analogy?
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, for those who haven't heard or listened to previous episodes, the, the observation I've had over the years is that most people's experience of life, and certainly pain, is that if you can imagine a, um, like a flat surface, you know, we're bumbling along through life, everything's fine, 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 fine. And then suddenly, poof, you fall off the edge of a cliff and find yourself in the sea of pain. Um, and and that's, that's really everybody's experience of not just pain, but ill health, that everything seems fine and then suddenly it isn't. And then as you were very focused on at the time, Mel, is trying to get back up onto that cliff top. And it's all about trying to regain the cliff top rather than look at the bigger picture of, well, how did I get to that cliff edge in the first place? Um, what are the, all those risk factors and so on? And, and, you know, taking that preventative approach. Anyway, yeah. yeah. so carry on with the yeah. story. And, I,
2: and, I, and it was the, the, the consultation that I had with you where you explained that concept to me. I remember coming out of that consultation and it was like this, the penny had dropped. It was like a big light bulb moment going, right, OK, so... I, it's never going to go away. It's always going to be there because it's an injury that hasn't healed properly. So now what I need to do is stop thinking, stop looking for a cure and actually manage it and try and manage it so that I get myself away from that cliff edge as much as possible. And that's really how I manage it at the moment. Um So in answer to your question, is it still there? Yes, it is. But sometimes it bothers me sometimes it doesn't um and I have a completely different mindset and I and I think I manage it really well now
0: and that pain that old pain that you still have to this day can you put a number on so we always like to quantify things a kind of scale of one to ten where would you put that pain now typically from day to day
2: um well, that's an interesting question. So it fluctuates, and it fluctuates depending on what I'm doing. So if I'm spending the whole day sitting um, at my computer screen, then by the end of the day, it's probably around about a, a sort of a a six or a seven. I always so I so that that um, pain calculator i always work around (laughs) will it what can i go to the gym today so if it's a two or a three yep i can go to the gym or i can go for a run or i can go and do some exercise and it's fine if it's a five i might go and do something but i might not go and do um as long or as intense as i normally do and if it's about a sort of a seven or eight i probably will will not go to the gym because i know it's going to aggravate it um so in the morning i get up it's, it's a one, I don't really feel it um, by the end of the day I can normally feel it, it's normally maybe about a three or a four but it depends what we've done for instance on, what's this this is this is Monday on Friday I went for a, for a very small jog, I'm trying to get my running back up again um, and I went for a very small jog and um, it felt great and the sun was shining and it was a beautiful day and I thought this is great and so I probably overdid it uh, and I can hear your intake of breath because you keep telling me <laughs> not to but I probably overdid it and I suffered for it the next day the next day it was really really sore but I am um, I'm meticulous about my exercises and meticulous about my stretching and um, so when that happens I just spend the next day doing all the right things and probably the day after it's back down to again about a two or a three so it does it fluctuates constantly
0: hmm. I just wonder Mel people listening in who have persistent or recurrent pain themselves I'm always wary of this term, pain management, because to me, it sounds like we're giving up. You're just going to have to manage your pain. But it sounds to me like you've certainly come to terms with that as a reality for you, that there isn't a cure for this, but that so long as you, as it were, behave in particular ways, you're quite comfortable living with what you have.
2: Yeah if I do the right things um, and I look after myself then um, it doesn't really bother me Um, and I I think as I said earlier it's very much for me it was about changing my mindset and and not letting it manage me but I manage it and I, I know what you're saying about not managing pain um but for me um yeah i'm i'm i can live with it now yes i'd love it to go away but it isn't going to go Mm -hmm. away so i i i'm happy with the way that i'm living with it just now
0: Mm -hmm. okay now taking a different direction you mentioned that you had two types of pain and this is your old injury related pain but then in 2017 things changed
2: things did change um so and I've had a complete another revelation so uh, in October, about October 2017 I it started to feel different there was a different pain it was very nervy it was it was quite debilitating it used to get me down um, it was a real physical emotional pain so so the muscular pain, you know, it was there, I could deal with it. But this was just a persistent, gnawing, nagging pain in my lower back. Um, it was there when I sat down, whereas my um, my other pain is not normally there when I'm sitting down. But it, it, when I sat down, I could feel the pain going down down my leg. Um, and it just started very gently, and then it just just was there, and it got worse and worse.
0: And, see, my read on that would be that there were different mechanical forces at play. The fact that that pain was in a different location and that it was aggravated by sitting rather than worsening as the day goes on. My kind of osteopathic background, I'd be thinking, okay, it's worse for sitting. It's more likely to be disky. Um, but you have a slightly different interpretation on on the causes of those two different pains. Do,
2: yeah. And- so I at the time was um running running my agency I and I was um, very busy uh, I was a very busy person um and then around about 2017 um, 2018 I, I can't remember the exact dates but I got promoted to um uh, the board a uh, board of directors of my company um and I I was doing a big job um I was working constantly um and what I now understand is that the pain I was experiencing in October, um, what I believe was stress related. Now I I wasn't stressed. Um, I was loving my job. I was I was think I was doing a pretty good job. Uh, and, and in actual fact, when and I'll talk you through what happened, but. Um, you know, on the face of it, and emotionally, I would, I would, was not stressed. Uh, I was doing a really good job. I was working hard. Um, I was, you know, I was juggling lots of things, but it was great. I felt great about it, and it was, you know, it was fairly successful. Um, but. It got. It started to get worse in about two thousand and eighteen, um, and I did go and see a doctor. I'd come to see you a few times, and I think you and I had discussed maybe, maybe go and see if there was anything underlying. And I did go to the doctor and I got X-rays, and and it and there was nothing. It was you know the same thing. There was nothing there, and I, I think I started to think, oh, this is just a, a continuation of normal pain. It's just manifesting itself in a different way, Um and then in so what actually happened was in 2018 Christmas I don't know if you remember the Gatwick drone uh, Gatwick airport drone oh, yes, incident yeah, well I absolutely. was caught up yeah. in that unfortunately <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'd been to London for a meeting and I um, I wasn't even at Gatwick I was at Luton airport I was trying to come mm. home from Luton airport but everybody from Gatwick was transferred to Luton right. um, and there was thousands and thousands of people and I had um, a heavy laptop bag and I had a heavy briefcase with lots of papers in it and there was thousands of people and there was absolutely nowhere to sit and I was delayed for about four and a half hours obviously in a stressful situation getting myself quite stressed and um, that four and a half hours in the airport, it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. Um, I got onto the plane eventually around about 11 o'clock at night. Eventually, I got home. By the time I got home, my whole body was in agony. Um, I got up the next morning um, and very unfortunate. I mean, my back was I was in agony. It was in quite a lot of spasms. But unfortunately, what then happened was I went to get out of bed. I was at a very strange angle and I sneezed and um when when they say when people say i was on the floor and i couldn't get off the floor i was literally on the floor and i was i couldn't get off the floor and i've and it really frightened me because i've never been i've never been like that before um but i was on the floor um and i and i really couldn't move Um, and I was sobbing crawling for my partner who was actually playing his stereo at loud um, top top volume and couldn't hear me and eventually he came over and he managed to get me up and managed to get me in bed Um, and I was I was lying on the bed and I had had to take painkillers I'm not I'm quite adverse to taking painkillers but I had to take because I just couldn't stand it Um, and that was it, it was frightening i have to be honest it was frightening and i think it, yeah. um i i phoned you and you were closed for christmas but i got your very first appointment when you were open at, at new year um and uh, it was i was in a pretty bad way um and then what what then materialized was i went for an mri scan uh, at the end of january and what what i had done was i had torn the disc but it was a very minor tear um but the reaction of my body to that minor tear was completely disproportionate to the actual injury and for probably about 3 months um was the worst pain that i'd ever been in my whole body was was just in spasm um, mm. and it coincided with a very very stressful time at work um and i um i i i, I should have stopped I should have, you know, I, I should have eased up, but I didn't. My way of dealing was it was just carry on and it'll get better. Um, and I was I wasn't even at work. I couldn't go to work because my office was three flights up the stairs, and I couldn't I couldn't walk up the stair. And I was conducting all my meetings from lying on my on my floor with my laptop balanced on my belly, which is not a good look when you're doing video conferences. Mm. <laughs> um, and I think it was around about um, the the June time that I'd been coming to see you, and I think you had had given me a little knot, a little prod and and tried to say you know is could it be stress related and I remember walking out of your office thinking ah, it's not stress related I'm not stressed I'm, I'm totally in control and I honestly felt completely in control but it was maybe the month after that that other things started to happen so I started to get um sleep problems and digestive problems and uh, I started to get a lot of migraines I am a migraine sufferer but they started to come back with a vengeance and pins and needles and lots of spasms and and um all of these little things that happened, again, I wasn't relating them to stress. I was just thinking, I'm doing fine. You know, I was in control. I was doing a great job, um, delivering everything that I needed to, met all my deadlines, managing the business, and never, ever related it to stress. And then... Mm-hmm. it Around about, I think you had suggested to me. I think you should maybe go try and go back to yoga, um, and I did go back to yoga, and that really, really helped me, and it helped me work through what was happening in my body. Um, and then uh, around about the August time, and I think this is the differentiation between physical stress and emotional stress. Is I started to started to have problems concentrating, and I started to have problems. Um, Becoming really irritable with people, which is just not like me at all, and I was able—I I was able to sort of stop myself and think that these emotional problems were the ones that actually stopped me thinking something's wrong here, um, and then I started to sort of kind of relate it back to the physical problems, thinking, Jings, maybe I am getting suffering from stress here." Um, and it was again it was one of those light bulb moments i was lying on on a yoga mat in uh, in the middle of a um a restorative yoga yoga nidra which is a sort of like a a yoga sleep (laughs) where the body just completely relaxes but your mind is very lucid and i just suddenly thought to myself i physically can't go on doing what i'm doing i needed to do something about it and i took the very um well, I took the decision to, to stop work, um, which I had to do. And I think if I hadn't done it, I think I would have ended up having a nervous breakdown or certainly complete and utter burnout by the end of last year. Um mm. and so I, I I stopped work in November. I decided that I wanted to have three months off, um, and within about two months I this new back pain had completely and utterly gone and I've never had it since. Mm. And that was a very long way of saying yeah. why I think or why I've come to the conclusion that the pain, that new pain that started in October 2017 was my body's way of saying you are stressed. But I never, ever, I never, I never thought, I never thought I was because emotionally I wasn't stressed. Um, but I yeah. think it's and I think. And, and, and maybe you can, you can explain this, but I think the body has two ways of dealing with stress, either emotionally or physically. And I think one always comes before the other. And for me, it was the physical that came before the emotional. But I didn't. I just didn't see it at all.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the, the model that we all hopefully best practice within my industry work with is called the biopsychosocial model which reflects the fact that pain is is multi-layered it's complex it's not just about the damage so yes you know i think you've got the report that said you had a small tear in the disc so that's part of the problem but actually the level of pain that people experience is much more closely correlated with their mood and all the kind of what we call psychosocial things that are going on in their lives than it is with the actual physical damage. And that's hard to hear when you're busy uh, earning a living, carving a career, doing everything that superwoman can do. And I think you obviously find it hard to hear. Uh, And it's hard for us as clinicians to broach that subject, particularly when you're coming from a very physical background. You know, you did all your karate, you're very physically active. So coming to an osteopath or a chiro or a physio, it's easy for us to talk about the physical stuff. Not so easy because largely we're not trained uh, to talk about the psychosocial stuff, but actually it's definitely worth opening that can of worms with some people some of the time.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I think so definitely, um I I just didn't put the two and two together then. I mean now I do mm. and it's so obvious. And when I think about some of the things that I was feeling physically, it was just so obvious what was happening now. But at the time I was so focused on work and, you know, and and I never switched off, um and now you know obviously i've done a lot of a lot of reading up on on this since since it happened um but i i think it's that stress response isn't it just c- continually being um you know, flood with adrenaline and cortisol is just so bad for your body that Mm -hmm. and I I just didn't see it at all. I was totally in control. In fact, you know, now and I'm quite open about it with people. When I talk to some people who used to be my clients, they were like, I never 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 thought that you were stressed. You were just so in control. And I was. I mean I was really good at my job. And I think the only person, even my friends were like, I never realized what you were going through. The only person that that said I knew that you weren't right was my (laughs) mum. When when, the, when you know, now she'll see me and she'll say, I can't believe the difference in you. Um, I knew that mm-hmm. you weren't right. And I just didn't see it myself. But um, mm-hmm. it, it was definitely, there was two things. So, you know, you saying to me, um, do you think that could be the cause? And I remember walking out thinking, no, it's not because I'm fine. But it was probably about two or three months afterwards, lying on the yoga mat where I was, you know, actually relaxed. And my body was relaxed, and the pain wasn't there because I was so relaxed that the, then my brain suddenly put two and two together, thinking, "Wait a minute, this this is this is not this is not right."
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always say to people, Mel, that 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 there are really only two reasons for not getting better. One is that you may have a bad plan. <laughs> And the second one is that you may have a good plan, but you're not sticking to it. So I think looking back, you're saying you had a bad plan. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm interested in, once you had that revelation, that kind of breakthrough that actually, I need to change some significant things in life here, how did you find that plan? So what, what were the constituent elements? Obviously a big part was stopping working as you were, but what else did you do?
2: Well, I spent um, I spent three months. Um just looking after myself. I, I I knew I needed I needed to recover. I needed to get over this, this you know this burnout that I was that I was believed I was suffering. Um, so I did lots of things like I did lots of yoga. I probably did yoga every day. Um, I met friends who I hadn't seen for a long time. It was more about the emotional stuff. I think for me, um, I continue to do all my exercises. I mean, I am fairly. Um, Fairly good at doing all my exercises for my back anyway, um, but I just really looked after myself, Gavin. To be honest, I, I stopped the stress, and that—that that was what I did. One of the things um, that the day after I finished work, that was again a complete revelation. I didn't even know I did this. Um, I woke up at six o'clock in the morning. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm an early riser. I was, I was awake at six o'clock in the morning, and the first thing I did was I leaned over to pick up my work phone to check what had happened through the night. Our office was a twenty-four-seven office. And I picked up my phone to, or I went to pick up my phone to see what had happened during the night. And I thought. My phone's not there. And then I thought, jings, I didn't even know I did that. And it was that mm. constantly being switched on. I was never switched mm-hmm. off. Constantly mm-hmm. being switched on to what's happening, checking my phone, um, not sleeping at night, waking up in the... Well, I used to go to sleep because I was shattered, but I would wake up at one o'clock in the morning with everything going around my brain. So my three months for me was just trying to turn all of that off and switch my, back, my brain back into the moment. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that really has helped me.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I was writing an article the other day on the how adrenaline and noradrenaline, the stress hormones, actually augment the pain that people experience. Mm. Um, and I think the metaphor I used is that if your body is awash with adrenaline, you're basically sensitizing all those nerve pathways. So any pain that you have will be significantly increased if you're chronically stressed. And sleep deprivation is a terrible thing for pain as well. And of course, I mean, you mentioned them in reverse, but they're, they're all interconnected. So whether you, you are lacking in sleep because you're in pain or whether you're in pain and that's causing the sleep deprivation or, or you know, getting myself confused there, but they're all interconnected. Yeah. And So you may start with one thing, but you can quite rapidly develop a huge gamut of symptoms: lack of sleep, pain, um, not able to concentrate, poor immunity, weight gain, poor digestion, more pains from other bits like migraines, and it's all really part of the same package of you know you're just not coping with life in a positive way, mm-hmm. um, and that's no reflection on any individual. It's just a fact, a sign that. Your life is out of balance. It's out of whack, yeah. and you need to change something. You know, hats off to you because, wow, you know, stepping back from a big job is a big change.
2: Yeah, it was tough. It was really, really tough. Mm-hmm. I, I, I it was something I, I had, I know, I, I knew I had to do because I knew it wasn't going to end well if I, I carried on. I knew I had to do it. Um, it was, it was one of those days where my partner and I still laugh about it whereas I, I drove into work and thought okay I can't do this anymore and he was at home he worked from home and I came home and I, he said oh, you're home early and I said, yeah I have to I have to resign today and he went okay go and do it and then we can talk about it and you he just laughed going you should have had a plan you should have really thought about what you were doing it was one of those instant decisions have to stop now because mm-hmm. if i think about it i wouldn't have done it mm, um yeah, sure. but um yeah. but yeah but what you're saying about the you know the the adrenaline and how it heightens everything that absolutely makes perfect sense to me because that was i think what happened but i think for me um it, it was I, 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 and I can't really stress this enough I, emotionally i was fine up until a certain mm-hmm. point i was fine it was the it was physically it was affecting me and because i was so you know switched on to work and concentrating on work I never took the time to actually sit back and go why is all this stuff happening and put the two and two together I just kept thinking oh here's another thing here's another thing oh I'm in pain I've got a migraine again um, you know I'm not sleeping again I never I, I don't know why but I never put it, I never put it down to stress because I wasn't feeling emotionally stressed up until mm. the very last minute
0: yeah I think there's a lot of us are It's not superficially very much. Copers, we're very positive about life, and we get on, and all is good. And we actually don't know ourselves to some extent, and that all of these things are going on in the background. And you were lucky in some ways that you actually didn't hit a crisis point. Um, But some people, that's the first warning they get. It's just you know total meltdown. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it's good that you stopped when you did.
2: I. It was yeah. It was it was. It was definitely the right thing to do. I, I mean, I used to my, I used to laugh and go, you know, I'd come home from work and I'd say to my partner, "God, I never even had time to go to the loo today." And I used mm-hmm. to joke about mm-hmm. it, and and that that's wrong. <laughs> you know, he used to say yeah. to me, "That's wrong," and but I just didn't see it. And you know, if I ever if, if I can give anybody advice, if you ever say anything like that to yourself and joke about it, it's it's not something you should be joking about. It's something you should be taking seriously. That is not yeah. healthy.
0: Absolutely, and it's a bit of a tangent, Mel, but I'm going to take it because we hear a lot about irritable bowel syndrome over the last 10 to 20 years, mm. and I can tell you that for a lot of people, what drives that is not going to the mm. toilet when they need to mm-hmm. go to the toilet, and equally not setting time aside to eat and digest at rest you should not be eating and working at the same time and some of the people listening some of my patients will now be madly pointing their finger at whatever device they're listening to this on saying yeah but you've told me you do it (laughs) and I do I am ashamed to admit sometimes I do eat and do my emails at the same time Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah irritable bowel syndrome is a big issue for a lot of people and a lot of it is driven by basically being they, they don't feel stressed while they're eating, but, but these are not ideal circumstances. Eating is um, it's an activity that you should do at rest and relaxing. You know, that's why the Italians and all the Mediterraneans are great at this, because it's a social occasion. They're relaxing with friends, they eat. But eating at your computer is really not conducive to good digestion. Yeah. Anyway, big tangent. So, but what I wanted to ask you in summary, Mel, was if you could, what would you tell yourself that you know now but didn't understand back then, 2017, 2018?
2: That was a long pause. <laughs> um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, what would I tell myself? I wish I had thought then, 2017, 18, when the new pain started. I wish I had just taken the time to think, okay, once I'd got the physical things sorted out, you know, I'd gone to the doctor, I'd had x-rays. I knew there was nothing physical at that point. I wish I had taken the time to to really look at um, what could be causing this and actually look at my lifestyle and look at what I was doing. And I wish I had taken the time then to change things then. And I think things would have been very different last year had I done that um mm-hmm. i think um i i cannot stress now how important it is to look after your mental health we live in an industry now where everybody's talking about the importance of mental health and i would say to everybody you know if you were in if you're in the kind of situation that i was in you're you know you know you're 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 busy you're a high flyer you're dealing with lots of lots of stressful problems you're juggling lots of things actually what should be in your diary is an hour of walk or um meditation or mindfulness or lunch um and that should be as equally important in your diary as as you know meeting your deadlines that that i wish i had done i wish i had taken more time um for myself
0: Mm. yeah yeah good very very sound advice (laughs) I'm sort of ironically listening to you, Mel, thinking, oh, yeah, I need to do that.
2: This is <laughs> recording
0: this. <laughs> yeah, we're recording this at the kind of peak of the corona crisis. <laughs> and my life uh, as as many many people's lives around the world have been has been turned upside down and I'm madly paddling around doing all sorts of things I would not normally do and working very long hours and you know I'm making time for lunch with the family that's one of the flip sides is that I get to eat lunch with my family these days but uh, you know it's a sort of 20-25 minute window and then I'm back to work so Thank you for that reminder, Mel. Yes, now.
2: that's. It. I cannot stress Gavin how important it is just to take half an hour a day, just to you know even sit. Um, somebody, one of my yoga teachers gave a great analogy, saying sitting doing nothing is not doing nothing. Sitting doing nothing is probably the best thing that you can do, and actually you should have in your diary doing nothing. Um, you yes. need to give your brain and your all your hormones and all everything in your body just time to to get back to normal.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Good advice. Sage advice from the lady heading for 50. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Just drop it in. <laughs> <laughs> well, we started on that one. You brought this
2: up. <laughs> I'm going to feel great at 50. That's the main thing.
0: <laughs> you will. I highly recommend 50. 50 is an excellent age. So, yeah. Okay. Well, thanks very much, Mel. Um, I really appreciate the insights because yeah stress and that whole psychosocial domain as we refer to it clinically is such a massive factor for so many people's level of pain so thanks for sharing your story and um yeah i look forward to catching up again soon
2: not too soon i hope not gavin
0: well not on a clinical (laughs) maybe on a more social
2: basis yes you take care of yourself
0: great okay thanks mel take care thank
2: you Bye. bye bye
0: okay bye
1: for listening to the ActiveX Backs show. If you found this helpful, please pass along our web address to your friends and colleagues, active-x.co.uk. And please leave us a positive review on iTunes. If you have any questions related to lower back pain or sciatica, send them in and Gavin will aim to answer them in future episodes. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at ActiveX Backs.